Hi, it's really great to have you with us. I'm Rob Porter. My wife Heather and I have the amazing privilege of being the senior pastors at Kingdom Culture Church in Burpengary, Queensland. We have an incredible preaching team, and I hope that this message will encourage and bless you as you listen. So I'm going to talk about uh, worship this morning. Uh, not a surprise. We've got the live recording tonight, which is going to be awesome. Um, the, the, yeah. It's all right. I'll, I'll, get them, I'll get them there. Like, you know, we don't have to start there. I'll, I'll, I'll get you there at the end. It's okay. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be an awesome night. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the band has entirely planned. I know they're getting rid of all the chairs in between services. So that will be interesting so it's going to be a different night it's going to be one that's really um, devoted towards worship and so I wanted to talk to us all this morning because I actually consider myself to be a worship leader Um, just don't put a microphone anywhere near me when I'm doing it Uh, it is a sweet aroma to the Lord it's not a beautiful sound Um, but I, I can I consider myself a worship leader because I I, I'm always in worship wanting to set the tone, set the temperature. If I feel the band is going in a direction and the people immediately around me aren't, uh, I, I, I want to, like, lift it. Um, and so everybody in this room uh, has the option to choose to be a worship leader every, every um, service. But also, we were made to be in relationship with God. So part of relationship with God actually is worship. And so we're actually made with worship in our hearts. It's actually natural to who we are as human beings. We're actually kind of constructed with worship in that we're, we're always longing after something and worshipping something. Um, I don't know if anyone's been to a lot of raves like I had back in the day. Uh, we're not doing it again. <laughs> Ever. Uh, but yeah, back in the day, uh, we used to call them bush doofs uh, if they're in the bush uh, or beach doofs. Uh, I'll figure out, let you figure out what they were. Um, but it's just so natural for people to raise their hands. It's so, and, and they're not worshiping the DJ. They're not, but there is a, there's something in that moment, uh, the euphoria of the moment, the feeling of connectedness with each other that they're worshiping. You look at the way that um, marketing works. Marketing is completely different to the way it used to be. Marketing used to be this is a watch. It has this battery life. Look how strong the band is. It's, it's uh, made of the, this is how indestructible it is. This is how far it can go. Now, it's a man kisses a woman before he dump, jumps through a waterfall and lands on a yacht. And so it's, it's not trying to go after your thoughts. It's trying to go after your desires. Because marketing executives are paid a lot of money. They talk to psychologists and they understand that we're so driven by our heart towards things. And so that's actually something God's put in us. It's a great, beautiful thing that's designed to pour for us to, to, to connect with God through that. So worship is just so natural, and we do it all the time, but sometimes we don't realise that that's what we're doing. So worship is part of who you are. And I don't, I don't want to this morning correct all the different areas where we worship things that we shouldn't be worshipping. I want to really zero in on, the, on, on your identity as a worshipper, your identity as someone who worships God, and really speak into that and encourage that. So we're going to talk out of uh, Acts 16. Uh, Paul and Silas have found themselves in a sticky situation, um, to, to put it lightly. So they're in prison um, because 
they had the audacity to cast a, de a demon out of a demon-possessed girl. Um, well, not just cast a demon out, because they did that a bit, but cast a demon out of a girl who was making people money. That's the, that's the, that's the trick. That's, that's why they've gotten into a bit of mischief. Because they're ministering, they're doing their thing, and this, this young girl is following after them, saying, these are um, men of God, these are, these are people who are proclaiming the gospel. So in that, this demonic activity is actually, because it's not incorrect, but this demonic activity is actually putting itself next to the ministry that they're doing. And who knows that when you're ministering, you don't want to have the demonic partnering with what you're doing. That's... If no one's ever ministered before in this space, that's like a 101 thing. Um, no demonic uh, involvement. So you can write that one down for those taking notes. So, but the problem was that, that this, this, de this demonic uh, presence would, would give her things to say that would um, be relevant to people's lives. And so people would pay, not her, people who owned her, uh, for that privilege. And so now that, that she's not making money anymore... The, and they haven't said, hey, we need to put these guys in prison because they cast a demon out of the girl who makes us money. They say, hey, they're stirring up the people to do non-Roman things, pra to do practices that are not Roman and they're not okay. And so in the trial, sorry, there's no trial. So they just beat them with rods and throw them in prison. Um, and, and see, this is the thing, right? We, we read something like that and we go, oh, yeah, Christian persecution. Actually, it's just like Roman occupation like that Rome had owned the area. The magistrates used to walk around that have a guy whose job it was to carry the bundle of rods that people would be beaten with, just as a symbol of, like, authority. Could you imagine you walk into your workplace and your boss has someone who follows around behind them with this big bundle of rods for if you're, like, five minutes late or um, your smoko was just a little bit too long, your lunch break was a little bit too long, you haven't quite hit your KPIs, out comes the bundle of sticks. You'd work with a very different uh, mindset, I'm sure. But that's what they used to do, just as a real reminder of, of what consequence was. So this is, this is where we find them in, in verse 22. Um, the crowd joined in attacking them. So who loves that? The magistrates are doing their appropriate, like, appropriate beating them with sticks, and the rest of the crowd is like, stacks on. Um, you know, anyone have that in high school where it's like a fight breaks out and it's like just an excuse for everyone to jump in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of female voices in that. That was interesting. Hmm. So the crowd, crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And, after, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received the order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So maybe you've never been in prison. Maybe you've never been jailed for a crime you haven't commit, been committed. Maybe you haven't been beaten with rods and thrown into the darkest, most innermost part of a prison. But I bet you felt it. I bet you've had those days. I bet you've had those weeks where things are going a particular way that they shouldn't be. You have a loved one in palliative care. Your kids are going wayward, going astray, uh, struggling with your own mental health, uh, work becoming overbearing and, and starting to encroach in your, in your personal life and your family life. Um, all kinds of things can be happening 
and you can feel like, hey, I feel like I am deep in the inner place. I feel like there's chains on my feet. I feel like I can't get out of here. I feel like I'm in this place, not out of what I deserve, but of a grave injustice. You've probably felt a similar position. And so let's look at Paul and Silas's response. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So it's not once midnight struck, they started praying. They've been praying and singing songs to God, and we're just catching up with them at midnight. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfasted. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household that he had believed in God. So I've got a couple of observations from this story. Three, three kinds of freedom that happened. And then a fourth secret one that I got during worship. So... Hmm. So that's just giving it out because otherwise Paul Page will be like, I didn't put that, I wasn't told to put that in the slides. <laughs> so the first one is they experienced freedom in their worship. Yeah. Now it's not when you think they did. Right. When did they experience freedom? Was it when the doors opened and the chains fell off their feet? Or was it all the way in the lead up beforehand? Because even though their bodies were in prison, they're singing worship to God and praising Him. They actually already were in a position of freedom, even though physically they weren't. Second, the whole prison experienced freedom. But only in the physical. And whenever I read this story, I kind of always picture like, oh wow, the whole jail went free. I'm pretty sure that like the rest of the prisoners probably were locked back up because they're not there for inappropriate reasons. Paul and Silas get off because Paul's like, hey, just a reminder, did you know I was a Roman citizen when you beat me without trial? And they're like, oh no, quick, get him out of the city without anyone knowing about it. The rest of the prisoners probably stayed in prison. So they momentarily experienced, because of the freedom that Paul and, Paul and Silas had, they experienced a momentary physical freedom. And that seems to be something that we often celebrate because we're so fixated on physical freedom. But the third thing that happens is that the jailer's household experienced freedom. And the true freedom that Paul and Silas had had before they were set free physically. And so oftentimes, because we're so wrapped up in our circumstance and our situation, we see freedom as something that happens to us instead of something that we carry. And so if freedom is something that happens to us, it's something that can be taken from us. It is our circumstance and our situation. And so then when Jesus promises to bring us freedom, 
we're hyper fixated on our circumstance, on our situation, and not on the condition of our heart and our position towards God and towards the world, which is what I think God is talking about. So in these circumstances I talked about before, a family member in palliative care, kids going wayward, struggling with mental health, how we respond in that moment to God is worship. And so that's what I mean when I say that we're all worshippers. Because we've all been in that position where the choice could be made to wallow in, in and, and we need to feel our emotions, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who, who rejoice. There, there is grieving. That's a real thing. We're not going to hyper-spiritualize thing and, and try and delete grie- grieving from our lives. But in the midst of that, what is our response to God? What is our response to others? What decisions are we making? Are we, our family members in palliative care? And so that's, that's the reason why, sorry, that's the reason why I'm so aggressive and mean and, and angry right now. Or are we going, but I will do due diligence towards God and, and my fellow humans that are made in God's image. I will worship God through the way that I'm treating others. That's the moment of worship. Because I think there's this misunderstanding of authenticity. Because that doesn't feel authentic to go, I feel in a terrible position, but I'm going to act well. Doesn't feel authentic. But I just wanted to say that following your emotions is not authenticity. And that's where we can kind of get mixed up, is that we're actually, what would be authentic would be to punch the person that you're angry with. Let's be inauthentic in that moment. Let's actually choose, hey, I'm not going to follow what my emotions are saying. I'm going to, I know what God would want me to do in this moment. It's not that complicated most of the time. So this is my secret fourth point. And we'll get the band back up because we're yeah we're doing we're doing one of those. So my my secret fourth point, and if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. So feelings follow, or follow feelings. Do the feelings follow our decisions, or do our decisions follow our feelings? Because both get presented as freedom. We live in a society where following your feelings is considered freedom. To just be authentic to whatever you're emotionally feeling in that moment is considered freedom. To, I'm going to quit that job because it's a little bit, I don't want to minimise, because it's excruciating, the job that I feel God called me to do. Uh, I'm going to drop out of study because it's feeling too much. I'm going to insert all the things in your life. I'm going to raise my voice at my kids again and again and again because they're just driving me insane. Are we following our feelings and calling that freedom? I have the freedom to raise my kids however I want. No, you have the freedom to respond in a biblical, godly way to your children, to your friends, to your family, to your parents, to the world around us. And what you'll find, and this is why it becomes worship, right? Because we want to do authentic worship. It's like, well, I'm not feeling very excited right now, so I'm not going to jump and I'm not going to clap my hands. And Paul Carly's up here trying to like, hey, come on, guys, come on, guys. But we want to be authentic. And so we don't because we're not feeling it. And I want to tell you something happens when you, instead of following your feelings, let your feelings follow your actions. Because when you in that moment go, God, I'm not going to pull out the 
putty and putty over all the cracks in my life. I'm, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to say it's real. I'm going to say it's what's going on. But in the midst of that, I want to worship you. In the midst of that, I want to raise my voice. In the midst of that, I want to move my feet. You'll find your emotions start to follow. And it might be in, in, in unpredictable ways. It might be that you then fall on your knees and start weeping and, and all the emotion that you've been like holding back actually comes out in this moment of connection towards God. It, it might not necessarily be that all of a sudden you feel super joyful, but oftentimes it does. And so I want to really encourage everybody this morning, we're, we're about to go back into a time of worship. So I want to encourage you this morning. And then also particularly tonight, if you're coming along, you've been practicing worship your entire Christian lives. And all we're doing is doing it in a different mode of singing and moving and being in a congregation together. But every, all throughout your week, you have been making decisions to worship God, making decisions to honour God, making decisions to put God first. You, you don't just have it in you. It's not just some vague, like, you guys could worship. You are worshippers. You have been worshipping. You're engaged with worship all the time. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's message. Our hope is that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If not, we'd like to invite you to begin your journey with him today. When we read scripture, we see that sin separates us from God, but that our relationship with God is restored by salvation through Jesus Christ. This happens because God gave Jesus his son to die in our place, to deal with the sin problem, and he rose again so that we can have eternal life with him. If we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we can know salvation today. If you're ready to do that and turn from a life of sin, then pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time today, we would love to know and reach out to you and support you. So please contact us at hello at kingdomculturechurch.com.au.